0: continue on the path of what you can control because that is what you have access to um and let go of the things that you don't have control over because that is what will keep you stuck and unable to actually deal with what you do have control over
1: welcome back to a new episode of oh my career goodness podcast i'm your host hamza islam And this is a podcast where I talk to general Zers who are making a difference in their communities about their journey and how they became the person they are today. While many of us have a destination or goal we want to reach, we need to emphasize the importance of sharing one's journey because ultimately the story and the journey of a person are what makes us human beings. And that's the one thing that we all have in common. And I hope that as an audience point from an audience point of view, you guys are inspired by the stories of each guest on this podcast, as you continue to write your own story. Now, my guest this week is Jade Zeroff, who's the founder and president of entertainment for change, which is a nonprofit organization that aims to inspire people to be the change they want to see in the world from an artistic and creative point of view. In addition, she also produced and acted in an award-winning comedy series known as Jade and Jaded, which is a comedy series that tells the story of two girls trying to make it as health and wellness blog health and wellness vloggers excuse me and she is also a certified life coach these are so many things that jade has done in her career and i know that she is not going to be stopping anytime soon this is truly a oh my curry goodness moment but jade zaroff thank you so much for joining the podcast
0: of course thanks for having me i love the name of your podcast too
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's funny because i think and i think when i first reached out to you i was talking about how When we hear stories that are interesting, we say, oh, my goodness. And then because I love curry, I just thought, you know, instead of using an expletive word or whatever that may be, why not just use curry? And so I do hope that at some point people actually start saying that in real life where they go, oh, my curry goodness. And then whatever that may be.
0: (laughs) It's very creative and very authentic. (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you I really, I really appreciate yeah, it
0: in the spirit of loving curry myself actually it's funny I think that's like the one food that I am I've nailed like I'm good at making
1: curry <laughs> oh my gosh yes okay you know what I would I do hope that at one point we meet get to meet in person because that's that's awesome I love meeting people that love curry because it's we share that connection but I one of the things that really stuck out to me when I first met you is that yes, you've done so many things with entertainment for change, acting life coach. But the one thing that I really do appreciate is the fact that you want people to be themselves, you want them to be able to express themselves as human beings, because you and I and like I said, in the introduction, or whoever's listening, we're all human beings. And you're not afraid to go against the current. And I think for a lot of us when we when we grow up, we I think we want to do things because other people tell us it's the right thing to do, but we don't make that decision for ourselves. And even a small example is like, I, I saw that you never ate meat growing up. You were someone that ate kale and seaweed, which is popular now, but back then maybe not so much. And so when you're developing this mindset of being able to express yourself and just be yourself and not let anyone or anything dictate or try to change the person you want to be growing up was that something you fully embraced from the get go or was that something that took time before you walked you decided you know what maybe it is not a bad idea
0: yeah it's a great question um i mean i think that when you're a kid you kind of have like a um complex around wanting to fit in with your peers and like that being such a component of social interactions um especially in school settings and then balance of values that are shared from your parents and then the kinds of people that you surround yourself with or your friends saying you know you might have a group of friends growing up that are like like this is cool and validate it and then you might have a group of friends that are like this is weird and then fitting in becomes more important so I think that I like went through probably all of those different versions growing up. Um, If I reflect on it, I think probably middle school was a little bit harder Um, just in like the hormonal, more insecure stage of my life. um, I think fitting in became really important. Um, Even though when I look back, I'm like, it really isn't. Um, And then uh, in like high school, I really embraced theater. So I was kind of like the, the, quote unquote, weirder parts of myself and the things that I think were like super authentic to me were embraced. And people were like, this is really fun because you're just like eating kale when we're all eating McDonald's after rehearsals. And so it's it's kind of gone through various stages. But for the most part, I'd say that um, I've always like very naturally been the kind of person that has been a- unapologetically myself and like really committed to that just because I think one it's more fun um with no ego I really find my quirks to be like the fun parts of myself and like the um the parts of me that I've uh recognized to be like what makes me me and stand out in a group where everybody might be doing the same thing, eating the same thing, wearing the same thing. Um, and it brings newness to conversations. It brings newness and like flavor if we're talking curry to a group <laughs> of people. Um, and I, I think that like, I just always recognized um, I, I was, I'm a very observant person. So I think I noticed like, oh, if I'm walking into a group of people and they're all, just to use food as the example since we're on the kale and seaweed snack trail um like food if everyone's eating the same food and i come in and i'm like eating my tofu chicken nuggets i think i noticed as an observer like everybody's asking me like what is that what's going on like being curious about it um because i never i was never like hiding it i never like was in my lunchbox and everyone was like ew, what is it? I did get a little bit of like, what is that? Um, but I always kind of was like, this is what it is. And I I explain it. Um, I share, I always like looked at it as like an opportunity to share myself versus like expose myself. And I feel like the exposure of that can be a little bit scary and intimidating, but I think naturally I, um, A lot of the choices that I make aren't malicious and they're out of love and it makes me who I am. So I think naturally I've always just gravitated towards like, I have good intentions. So this is me. And if you don't like it, then I still have to go home at night and be with myself. And you liking me versus me liking me is a big difference. Like I need to, I need to end up being okay with who I am. And I think I always just have been.
1: Yeah, I I like the part where you go, there's a difference between saying you like me versus me like me, which if if even if other people like you, that's great, because I think we do live, I mean, and you mentioned how in certain parts of your of growing up, whether that be middle school or high school, we want to be liked by others. But then if you have that mindset, then do you end up liking yourself? And I think that's what's difficult is. At the end of the day, I think change is always a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But if the change has to come at the expense of you not liking who yourself, then you do have to at some point think about, okay, what kind of person do I want to be and are the changes that are happening in my life? Are they good or bad? If they're bad, we might need to redirect it so that we find the good. And I'm glad that there are people like you that not only want to do that for yourself, but for other people. And that's something that we connected with and when you're starting out this journey, obviously, most people will have at least one person that realizes the true potential of a person. And I know that throughout your journey, I'm sure there are people who yes, they might think, Okay, who are you? What are you doing? But then there are those that go, I know what you're doing, even if 1000s of people or whoever that maybe think you're doing something weird, I see the true potential. And I I say that because I want to talk about your mom, who I think you would say, I think you've said has been your biggest influence because she has been, I mean, she's not just your mom, but I think she, you were inspired by her story when it came to the idea of going against the norm. And I think she has her own, um, sustainable fashion company where kind of like how you are involved in environmentalism. And we'll talk about that later, but the importance of doing the right thing, even if most people don't understand the the issue in its entirety. So tell me, I guess, a little bit about what you've learned from her, whether that be about from a personal point of view, or as you've continued on in this change making journey or process.
0: Yeah, my mom trademarked eco fashion um, in the 90s and started the, the largest health institute in the country called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition the year I was born. So very busy year. Um, but I think that like in a nutshell, cause there's a lot I could say about my mom, it normalized a lot of lifestyle choices and, um, ways like a lot of, a lot of topics that are coming up today, like self-care, self-love health and wellness, what you're putting on in your body, on your body, in your body, um, all of these topics, were instilled in my everyday life and instilled in me um, because of the role model that I had growing up being my mom. She just like normalized it for me. So a lot of the like career choices that I've made or um, ways that I see the world or interact with the world or the relationships that I'm building or the way that I show up to my relationships, like those are all things that I think because of watching her, I just gained a skill set in um early on and was able to see the importance of those things early on. So, like my mom being such a pillar of um change in the world because of trademarking eco fashion and bringing sustainable fashion to life and being known as a sustainable pioneer in the fashion movement um that like that shaped my perspective on the possibility for change and i think like it allowed me to recognize that change is possible because this woman who believed in it so wholeheartedly since the day i was born seeing like the evolution of it and recognizing that um, people were so resistant. And then suddenly everyone was like, where am I buying my clothes and who made my clothes and asking these questions and thrifting and going on Rent the Runway so that there's um, circularity in the fashion industry. Like all of these things are becoming important, but my mom has been talking about them before they were normal. So I I just kind of like, again, being an observant person and being an observant kid, I was always just like, like watching her fight for something she believed in and like all of the resistance becoming less and less and less until now she's so respected for it. And so now I'm like in my career in the arts and what we'll talk about, I'm just like, again, kind of similar to the first question, like unapologetically myself. And, um, when I show up to meetings to talk about what I am passionate about, um, I'm not I don't feel like I come in with the like, you need to like, there's urgency, but I, I so deeply believe in what I'm doing that even if there's like a resistance or like people aren't really latching on or following up, I just keep going because I believe in it. And it's not about them latching on immediately as much as me just like continuing to pursue
1: what I Yeah. I'm- and it is interesting how when we first started early on, when we look at the things that people are talking about now, like sustainable fashion, self care, eating seaweed or kale, we used to think of it as it's a stupid thing. And now we're like, you know what, maybe this is actually a really good idea. And then I'm sure there are people like you going, that's what we've been saying this whole time. And so it is, it is really interesting how the tables have turned or how times have changed, but ultimately for the greater good. And it was interesting, I was talking about sustainable fashion, and I forgot to mention to the audience that Jade is also involved in environmentalism. So another thing about Jade in a way, but that's, and that's what I want to talk about now, which is that, yeah, you 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 did acting, producing environmental or uh, entertainment for change. But one of the first things that you were able to you did was you were an eco representative at your school shout out to emerson college i don't go to there but i just wanted to give that a shout out but um one of the reasons why i want to bring that story up is when you were first starting you talked about the idea of trying to recycle and when you first started no one took your request seriously and even if it's not a big deal or whatever that may be i think when you kind of go back to the fact that you have really good intentions and you want to do it because you want to inspire people in one way or another. And when you're seeing people, I guess, not take your idea seriously. It's very easy to give everything up or kind of just not or maybe just think to yourself, maybe this isn't this idea is stupid. And so when you're starting this out and I don't know how big or small of an impact it was, and you can talk about that personally. But when you had this idea of convincing people to recycle, and even though people were just thinking, no, this is stupid what allowed you to keep going especially during those early days of promoting the idea of recycling
0: um yeah i mean i was super inspired by art and like that being a vehicle for transformation since the day i was little like i was the kid that had an art project about or no i don't even know that it was an art project it was just like get the other kids in the room to care about um creating environments in which we're not smoking because it's harmful to the environment and i remember just being like like a lot of kids wrote like like did speeches or and that's still a creative um you know execution of their their vision but um but i was like i i like created this like fan like thing that had a microphone on it and I was like, no smoking allowed. And it like pushed the smoke away. It was, I don't know. It was weird, but, um, but I've always just, I've always like been a creative in my nature to find like creative solutions. And I've always been passionate about creative solutions. So I think that's like a lot of what drives me honestly is, is creative problem solving. And it's, it's such a, it's such a like small and yet mighty shift that I believe in where if you just put the word creative in front of problem solving it makes it more fun and like um accessible and so um I at Emerson to answer your question like as an eco representative I I came across a lot of resistance and I came a lot of I came across a lot of like people kind of saying it's a Monday morning and it's freezing cold out and I have no interest in listening to you talk to me about recycling right now, I wasn't like, Oh, this is a problem. Like, how are we going to solve it? I was like, it's just a mind shift. It's like, like, how am I going to creatively find a way to them for them to listen? And because I was at a smaller liberal arts school, it just was like a, Oh, why don't we use our art to come up with creative ways to share messaging that matters. Um and that's where the Green Gala came into play and um so that was what drove me at Emerson especially but still to this day it's just like what's a creative way that we can move forward and engage with people because i think that when we engage with other people's creativity it's like you're you, you're collaborating with and expanding upon someone's creative potential versus they them And where they are now and what keeps them stuck in their ways, it gives it a little bit more of like a lighthearted, accessible energy for them to actually change or shift their mindset or change their behaviors or shift their um, day-to-day actions. And um, I think there's just more of an opportunity there versus like being stuck and feeling like debilitated by the problem that has no solution or it feels like sometimes we have no solution for it.
1: Yeah, no, I I do like the fact that I think there is something when you include the word creativity, it does include the fun aspect, the interesting aspect, because I think for a lot of us, we do wanna create change, but then oftentimes when we we don't under, we often underestimate the importance of creativity because it is about imagination. It's about this idea of whatever it is that you were thinking of creating, it's gonna take a process, but ultimately, that when you see that final product whatever that may be you'll see the benefit it has for so many people and for you that was that was the I was about to say the Met Gala for 2 seconds um mm. <laughs> that was the Emerson Green Gala and this was something where your mission was to celebrate earth be- through forms of artistic expression and now it's it's a it's it's an event that is an it's an annual college event at your school but all of this happened because of those early stages because of your intentions, but when you pitched this idea to your school, given that you had seen the early rejections of Oh, I don't want to recycle or i'm not going to take this idea seriously. Were you ever worried and I ask this because one of my favorite questions to ask people or one of the things I I think about and maybe this is something you think about as well, which is. You can't underestimate the importance how of how certain events have a huge impact in your life in the sense that like, if this didn't happen, I would not be able to pursue what I'm doing now. And so when you first pitched the idea of the Emerson Green Gala, were you ever worried that your school was gonna say no? Or was it always like, no, they're gonna accept it no matter what?
0: Um, I, I think that I just like, I think that I was at a really good place in time for it because we were trying to figure out ways to like bring forth new ideas. And so I think I recognized strategically that the timing was right because they were so open to new ideas that I came in hot. I was like, Oh, they want a new idea. I have a new idea. Let me share it with them. Um, So, so I was, I was lucky in that way. Like, I just want to speak to the fact that um, like, Believing in yourself is, I think, the driving force of, you know, active sense of, um, of like moving towards your goal. But I think that that was like a open door, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I just, I think passion is contagious and I was so excited and passionate to share this idea. Um, so I, I, when I look back at the conversations I was having about the green gala and pitching it and sharing it and getting it sponsored by one of the main, um, facilities, which was like facilities management on campus, they sponsored the entire gala. So that was like a big financial undertaking that they believed in me enough to take on. Um, I, I think when I showed up to meetings and I just like shared with passion and I shared with, um, like commitment. I think that's a big uh, piece of take it or leave it, but like advice and also like what I saw to help um, my vision come true when I was doing the green gala was like, I just, I was like, it's kind of like showing up to a relationship and being like, I'm committed to you. So let's like make this happen and make this work, but I'm going to show up and like be responsible for the things that I can be responsible for and be accountable to. And that person um, hearing that, if it's a healthy like exchange, will will appreciate that. And I think Emerson in my relationship to them appreciated the fact that I was like, I'm committed to this idea. Not only am I so passionate about it, but I if I if you say yes, I will make it happen. And I think like that commitment married with the passion and the like heart and soul of what I was doing, made it happen.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about passion and commitment. And in your case, you're able to make those things happen. But ultimately, you know, I think there are all, there are all, there are other people who I guess share that same idea of I'm passionate about something, I'm committed to making something happen. If you if we if you agree to this, we're gonna make A B X, Y, and Z or whatever that thing happen. But sometimes they do fall into those road trips or those those road trips, um, those um ob- obstacles. Let's say that. Let's yeah. that word. Where they're passionate about something, they're committed about, they're committed to something, whatever that may be. But then there's always someone telling them no at the end of the day. So for you, how do you try to convince people to continue that passion and commitment, even if they have been rejected many times? How do you still continue to remind them that what you're doing is right, and ultimately, whatever it is that you are passionate or committed to, that you will get what you want at the end of the day?
0: Yeah, um, I think. To speak to, like, the end of that question, like, what you want, or at least for me, to speak for myself, like, what I want is always changing. I, like, have an idea of what I want, but I allow... I give myself permission to recognize that like, that's always evolving, especially as I get older and like experience different experiences and recognize different strategies that are more effective. And as I'm learning, like I'm not a perfect person. So I do think that there's a lot of room for me to recognize that my wants change every day sometimes. Um, but, um, like even still to this day, I still experience no's. I still experience rejection, quote unquote. I still experience like a lack of communication um, towards my, what what I'm so passionate about, but maybe they just aren't as passionate about it or they're doing, or they're busy, like they're doing their own thing. Um, But I think that a reality of life that is a helpful just tool in everyone's toolkit to have is the recognition that like, you know, we might hear it a lot or read about it a lot, but like you have, realistically you have control over what you can control and you don't have control over what you can't control. And the minute that I have tried to control like how someone feels about something or how they're going to respond to something or how, like the minute that I think that I could potentially maybe have control over something that I just don't have control over is where I get stuck. So I think that like a clear communication with yourself about what you can control and what you can't control is a healthy tool to have through especially big visions. Um, But just in any context of your life, like literally you could apply it to any circumstance and career or um, passion for like changing the world on a, a greater scale or an artistic project that you're working on. Like, Continue on the path of what you can control because that is what you have access to Um, and let go of the things that you don't have control over because that is what will keep you stuck and unable to actually deal with what you do have control over.
1: Yeah, I really do like what you said about the fact that you shouldn't focus on the things you can't control, but focus on things you can control. And it's weird because like you said, I think there are moments where you think about the things that you can't control and think about, well, what could I have done what could I do so that whatever it is that I do want, I do get what I want. But I think the moment you start focusing on the things you can't control, then you start spiraling down and you, you can't, you're unmotivated. And I think to add to what you're saying, and I don't know if this is something you, or this is something you might agree with is going back to why you did things in the first place because it's about making an impact and yes there are people that don't see it that way but the thing is only you know truly why you're doing the things that you're doing and it will take some time before people start seeing the potential I don't know if that makes sense but like if people see the potential that you ultimately want to the change you want to see in the world
0: yeah yeah and believing in yourself is like a cheesy but real statement um and again like, The pursuit of your own journey is, I think, exciting and scary and fun. Um, And it's kind of like how people say, like, don't look left and right. and Like, if you are, if you're on a track and you want to, you know, what you're speaking to, which is just like you have an intention. You're the only one who really knows your why. Just, I think being um mindful of like sometimes you may go this way but the thing you can control is learning the lesson that you were meant to learn and then and then going back and like it life is like this so we can't control that life isn't like that like you can't make life different so I just think that it's like um it's like buckle my mom my mom is like always saying to me just buckle up and enjoy the ride buckle up and enjoy the ride and I think like that that is a huge part of it it's like like if you see the car steering like grab the wheel and quickly steer it the other way and while you're like on the ride maybe you have some time to play some music and like listen to your thoughts and try to figure out like why did that you know to put it in this context why didn't that person email me back? Do maybe maybe they're really busy? um, or maybe I've emailed them every single day this week, and it's starting to borderline like less persistence and more like, um uh, like desperation. Usually, that's a need for like, like I need something to happen. And I notice that with myself sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, you're you're acting. Um, from a place of impatience right now. You're not acting from a place of strategy. You're not acting from a place of like mindfulness. You're, I, I feel like, oh, I need something to happen. But as I grow up and as I move through, I recognize when that's happening. And I'm like, okay, I noticed that I feel impatient right now, but that I, I don't need to do anything about it. I can just be impatient. I can be feeling impatient. That's okay. So it's just, it's a it's a process. And I think like, um to to close off my passion tangent what you said is true just like be committed to your why and buckle up
1: yeah i i think and this is where it goes it goes back to the overall message of my podcast which is it's not about the destination it's about the journey and yeah you'll have you have something that you want to reach at the end of the day but ultimately it's going to be a ride so in a way yeah (laughs) buckle up because it's going to be a journey and you will get to i think also because we focus a lot about comparison so it's like when are we going to get to our destination but don't focus on what's going on in your left or right or behind you focus on forward and ultimately however long it takes you will get there but i i want to transition to entertainment for change because one of the things we have in common which is obviously our love for curry but also (laughs) because i found that through the emerson green gala you saw a tagline known as entertainment for change and the, you ended up trademarking it and so and i say that because when i started my podcast i my first idea was i'm going to create a podcast called wait what with hamza islam but then i realized there's seven different podcasts called wait what so i was like okay what's a podcast that i think speaks true to myself and that there's not another podcast that has the same name So when I told a friend of mine, let's name the podcast called, let's name the podcast. Oh, my curry goodness. My friend went, okay, that is a hundred percent you. And I'm a hundred percent confident that there's not another podcast called, oh, my curry goodness. So no one's going to steal that from me. But so, but I said, I I say that because you trademarked entertainment for change because of what happened at the Emerson Green Gala and talking about how. In the introduction, you want to inspire people to be the change they want to see the change they want to see from an artistic and a creative point of view. And when we talk about impacting the world or changing the world, for a lot of people, when you tell them the idea of using art, they'll look at you in an awkward way, like, Wait, what are you talking about? Art. And most people will either say, No, the way we change the world is science, technology, engineering, math mathemat- or mathematics that sense rather than the liberal arts side of you so as someone who's involved in this artistic space what do you think people are missing when they see people like you spread or continue to raise the idea that you can use art as a way to change the world or promote a healthier planet as you are doing with the environmental side of you as well
0: yeah um i think that to give credit where credit is due technology science all of those industries 100% make massive impacts on the world and all i ask of the world is to recognize that like there are so many human beings on this planet and for example i am not necessarily like the most tech savvy person in the world i think that like i'm really good at teaching my grandma how to use her macbook i'm not gonna lie but i think that it's important to recognize that like everybody has something to bring to the table and i saw a gap in the education behind creative change makers um and there's a lot of creativity out there and there's a lot of artists and so i saw this opportunity of like we someone let me let me step in, like someone needs to be empowering these people. Like there are so many artists in the world and not only are there so many artists in the world, but like historically there is proof of art making an impact on the world. You can provide, or I could provide like lots of examples of art making an impact in the world in in very scalable ways. Um, So we can't deny the fact that art has the power to make, make an impact Um, And I think just providing a community and a platform and an umbrella around like that idea is something that I'm really passionate about doing. Um, And so people who may look at art and go, art doesn't have the power to make the difference or like there's other things that we could be doing. Then those people who identify as creative people or artists aren't seen or heard or like put up on a pedestal that they deserve to be on. Um, And so I feel like very purpose-driven towards providing an opportunity for those young people and anyone to feel like they're important and they matter in a way that can be very substantial.
1: Yeah, and I think when it comes to the idea of entertainment, and and this kind of segues into Jade and Jade in a way, where when we think about the idea of entertainment. For me, when I see entertainment, whether that be through acting or art, I don't use entertainment as Oh, I want to be entertained. I also think of it as it's a way to spark imagination and creativity in some way. And because of the creative and imaginary or imagination part, you can make a difference. But and it's difficult because people will look at art as okay, so what, but yeah and i think there are a lot of people are missing the idea of you're undermining the importance of creativity and imagination because these are the things that ultimately can impact the world and i think yeah yeah, go ahead
0: oh wait no please please oh
1: i was just gonna say i think that's when people start to recognize the importance of creativity and imagination and not just seeing it as oh it's just a piece of art quote unquote then that's how you really change the world
0: yeah yeah and um like you could also even argue that it's similar to being raised by your parents because you can grow up with a tv show and feel so associated to a character and that character's behavior and choices and the way that they act around other people like you feeling inspired by watching this character your entire childhood similar to how you watch your parents your entire childhood like someone created that character, like someone created the script for that. And you now are so heavily influenced by that character because there's such a love for that character that you like rely on for a lot of your choices and you don't even maybe recognize that you're doing that. Like I think that art, what's interesting is you could potentially say that a lot of technological advances or um, ways in which that different industries have contributed to change. Um it's clear, but I think a lot of artistic influence comes in more subtle ways that are very meaningful and very sustainable. Like I I I love bringing up the conversation of like what does sustainable impact look like? And I think that like your favorite song is it is a great example of sustainable impact because depending on what is being shared in that song, that's messaging that sticks with you for Forever. And it can influence a lot of decisions that you make or influence a lot of like ways that you see the world. Um, and we just don't even recognize like, that it's making that much of an impact on our life.
1: Yeah, and you actually brought up another thing that I focused on in the podcast, which is, it's not just about the journey, or it's not, about the desti- it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, but also relatability. And you mentioned how with different characters in movies or TV shows, or even theater as well, you are in a way related to a character one way or another. And I think we are starting to see now kind of similar to how we're starting to see sustainable fashion and sustainability, the idea of representation and letting people know that, oh, I I see myself on this screen, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but I do see certain bits of it and I feel inspired in a way. But speaking of acting, I do want to talk about Jade and Jaded because I actually watched it just before you got on here and. I think, and I love the show so much because of the fact that you're just able to be yourself. Because I think when it comes to acting, you sometimes often play characters that you may not relate yourself 100% of the time. But if you haven't seen it, the audience, and I'm just talking to the audience, go see it because it is. there are some funny moments. But as an actress and a producer, what has that journey been like for you when it comes to that industry? Because oftentimes from an outsider's point of view, we say it's difficult, but as someone who's involved involved in that, tell me what it's like to be a part of that process.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jade and Jaded was a really unique process because I had this idea um when I was with a bunch of 13-year-olds and they were really interested in watching vloggers for a while. And I was like, wow, it'd be so funny if I vlogged my life. And I was like the environmental weird girl that was like trying to create health and wellness and make it cool. And um, I was like, I don't want to wake up and vlog my life. I respect those that do, but I just don't have the wherewithal to to want to do that. Um, so I was like, so wouldn't it be funny if this was a scripted show and I collaborated with another Emersonian named Sarah Franco and she ended up writing it alongside her collaborator, Kendall. Um, and so Sarah did a really great job just portraying this like very real version of me, but in a little bit more of like a um, animated and like we, we, uh, we gave Jade a little more pep in her step, like just, a little more of a um, just eccentric version of me. Not that I had. So, so uh, it was challenging because a lot of it was learning as I go. Like I had never produced a TV show, like a web comedy from scratch. So we like would meet up at coffee shops in the city and talk about the idea before it was even written out. Then Sarah wrote scripts. Like we really started from the beginning. So um, it was, it was a definitely challenging undertaking that was incredibly rewarding to see the final product and be proud of what we created. Um, and I think from an acting standpoint um, we filmed a lot of it in my apartment. So like that was easy. Um, thanks mom for not being here when we were filming but i it was really fun um and i think i just embraced like going back to the first question like the unapologetic part of myself to an extreme i just embraced it fully and um and i think that your relationship to any creative project especially if it's like acting or producing um i'm a big believer of the hardships of life being very real and taking those things seriously but i don't take myself too seriously and i also think that if your relationship to something any creative project any and and it's kind of um valuable information to what we are talking about which is like being on your journey and believing in yourself and all of these things like the minute that you're not enjoying the journey and you are not having fun, consider pivoting. It's not the end of the world to change directions. And I think that even if you believe in something, it can just look different from how it looks right now. I don't think marrying the idea of how you're pursuing something needs to like be set in stone. Um, so being able to be flexible, like, but to go back to Jade and Jaded. I had so much fun and there was never a part of it that felt like stressful or, and if it did, I think it's important to just say to, you know, maybe this isn't something that I want to do. Um, but it, yeah, it was really fun and I really enjoyed the process and, um, I'm already like kind of looking at another project to take on in from that lens, um, where again, I think, I'm very aligned. I'm not necessarily pursuing on camera acting as heavily as I am in other um, ways. Uh, But I think that when I do on camera acting, I choose characters or I commit to characters that feel organic to me.
1: Yeah, I would say the only criticism I had of Jade and Jaded was that it wasn't yeah. long enough because <laughs> I was just like, wait, it's over already. But
0: we want to do more. It's it's just kind of we 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 need to distribute it in a way that is um we're able to afford doing another season. We actually just fully self-produced it. So everything was funded by ourselves. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I love the, I love the idea of just being able to be yourself and from a comedic lens and then the chemistry you have, um, with, with your friend. And I think, yeah, it just goes back to the idea of just staying true to yourself. Yeah. You you are pitching the idea of going green, but also it's a hundred percent you, you're not trying to create a different character that I guess doesn't relate to you one way or another, but I actually, when, before I talk about the life coach, I do want to ask do, would you ever pursue a character where it is different from you or do you feel like the success of from an, from an acting perspective is dependent on whether you relate to that character one way or another
0: yeah that's a great question um so basically i um i think that i would definitely to answer your question i would definitely do a character that was because it's it's all about challenging myself Um, the things that I try not to do is projects that really like sway audiences to think in a way that I don't believe to be valuable. Um, for example, like any shows that provide, um, which I've never, this has never happened, but like, um, in a commercial sense, like I try not to align to brands that are, harmful um and then in like a more uh scripted sense for tv film etc um if like a character was malicious or racist sexist
1: hmm.
0: um those are things that i would consider to be like reasons to say no but uh but if it was a, a character that felt like a little bit different personality-wise like let's do it I'm down
1: yeah no I'm always interested about the acting process because like I know there are people that there they go I don't mind taking a challenge but then if the challenge is extreme in a, a sense then it's like I don't want to do it but then there are also the, there's also those people that go I want to play specific characters so I guess at the end of the day it does depend on the person but I do like the fact that if you are willing to challenge yourself you don't want it to I guess affect you in a negative way negative aspect or negative lens. So yeah, I think that's, that's a really good answer. Um, before I let you go, I do want to talk about the life coach part. Cause I, that it's interesting. Cause when I, when I think of life coaches, I would think it's like another term for therapists, but I think there's like, there is a difference. So if you want to talk about that, feel free, but I do want to ask you what allows you to pursue this idea of being a life coach and how has the life coach aspect helped you as a person?
0: I love that question. Look at you with the <laughs> Um so I um I I I did l- the Jay Shetty life coaching certification program. Highly recommend. I love Jay Shetty a lot. Um and I did it with the intention of gaining a new skill set. So when I um pursued the life coaching certification program, I was really interested in how to your point it would shape like my way of being a person in the world um and also in the context of entertainment for change working with youth on empowering artistic practices like how i could have another skill set that would allow for a little bit more of like a mental health prioritization and um recognizing uh goal oriented thinking and strategy and different ways to not only create the art, but promote the art and promote yourself. Um, So there were a lot of skill sets that I gained from the certification program, and I I went into it wanting that. Um, And a lot of the life coaching that I do now is uh, just in my day-to-day. I joke to uh, family and friends like I'm my own life coach. Um, So it has really helped me uh, because... I think that um I think that like you have to be your own best friend and I I've had mentors in my life but I've never really I think and there's a difference between therapy and coaching to answer your question about that like therapy is looking at the past um which I I am a big advocate for and Coaching is more like, what are you doing in your present moment? And how are you influenced by your present moment? And what are you doing to move forward and better yourself? Um, And therapy is similar, but it's more of like a heavy emphasis on what occurred in your past. Um, Life coaching is more of like not doing that as much. Um, And so I've done a lot of therapy in my life. I've loved, I still do therapy. I love therapy. And I just think that the coaching element just adds a little bit more like oomph and a little bit more accountability um, to say to myself in the present moment, like, uh, yes, I know how my past is presenting itself in this moment. But now what? Now what? Now what am I going to do? And so the life coaching skill set allows me to create pathways, tools, goals strategies um to move forward 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 um and yeah like very coachy (laughs) if that's a word i don't know if it is but
1: mm. yeah yeah i i'm a big fan of jay shetty as well i started listening to his podcast and i would use his podcast as a way for me to be asking my guests certain questions because i don't want it to be a I don't want it to necessarily be an interview. I want it to be a conversation. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes what I'll do, I'll, I'll go to my mom and I'll go, mom, I'm not Jay Shetty. And then my mom will look at me going, why are you comparing yourself to someone who's been doing something for X amount of years? And so I've been doing this podcast for four or five months. And then my mom will go, how long has Jay Shetty done his podcast? And I go, four or five years. And he goes, she goes, exactly. Like, Enjoy the journey, don't worry about the destination. Don't compare yourself to someone else because he had a journey to where he went to. And my mom's never heard of Jay Shetty, but like she does under she emphasizes the importance of just focusing on what you can do cuz you have your strengths and even if you're not 100% perfect, you are giving the best of your ability. So um, yeah. Yeah, I, you got
0: to have your mom on the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, my I'm mom is like, a, a wise one. Yeah, my mom in a way is like a life coach, but yeah, and I've also, uh, I, I've got Jay's first book, Think Like a Monk, and I've read like the first few pages of it, but that's something that I plan on reading over the summer. So yeah, I've learned so much from him, but I haven't used the life coach thing yet. I just look at his YouTube videos or his podcast and just go, okay, that's how I should, those are the conversations I would like to have with my guests rather than going, Jay, tell me about yourself or Jade, whatever, because it's at the end of the day, a conversation, not just an interview, because I want to develop that chemistry with the guests instead of just being like, let's just use that one hour or whatever, and just get out if that makes sense.
0: It does. And and it show you show for it because it's um, been a really uh, positive experience and very reflective. And I've loved the questions. And it's allowed me to think like how I want to answer them versus just like responding automatically.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate it. that's how that's how I look at success is Did the guest in a way, did the guest enjoy the conversation? And if they do, then it doesn't matter, I guess, the viewership or the numbers. It's like the impact that you made on the guest. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want to leave off the last question, which is you are an actress, you're a producer, entrepreneur, change maker, life coach. There's so many things about you. But when you, I guess, look back at the end of the day, how do you, I guess, define what success means to you?
0: um i think that not like not like negatively affecting or hurting anyone in the process to get where you're going um including yourself like that looks that to me feels like success um because the end goal is going to change forever. And I think that we're not, there is no destination. We're all going to leave this planet one day. So I think um, in my opinion, like a successful journey feels uh, and with with no expectation or need for perfection, just like the desire to keep going, providing positive and um healthy uh experiences for anyone who i'm coming in contact with or uh because that is something that i can control and that's something that really matters to me and i am a big 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 believer in treating others the way you want to be treated including treating yourself the way that you want to be treated by other people
1: yeah the the golden rule i think that's really cool it's just being yeah you know you're doing so much and obviously like I said, all the things that you've done, but at the end of the day, if you are hurting people in the process, then it doesn't matter what you're doing, because at the end of the day, that's the thing that I guess is holding you back. And you do bring up an interesting point, which is, in a way, there is no destination, because I think of it as uh, like a video game of some sort, or like a like I don't know, whatever, um, any game that I guess ha- deals with levels, where if like if you you get you over you get through certain levels in a game. But it's not like they it's not like the last level is level 50. Like, even if you get to level 50, you have to get to level 51, level 52, level 53. So it's just a continuation of just continuing to keep going and not stopping. But at the same time, even if you're doing all these really good things, it's about how you treat others and how you treat yourself. And I think if we develop that mindset, we realize that's how we define success is being the best person to people rather than treating people Like crap.
0: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Karmically, it will just serve you in the long run.
1: Yeah. Well, Jade, I know you are such a busy person, but I really did enjoy the conversation. I remember when I first met you, I thought, you know what? You'd be a great guest. Um, And just, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Best of luck with Entertainment for Change and your acting projects in the future. And I do hope that we get to meet in person one day and uh, have a bowl of curry.
0: Yes, please. No, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. Please, if you're um, ever needing uh, support, advice, collaboration, anything, feel free to message me at Jade Zeroff or at Entertainment for Change. I'm super responsive, um, but I really appreciate your time, too, and having my voice heard by your friends, peers, audience, etc. cetera. So thank you.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you saw, feel free to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at TheOMCGPodcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast. I really do appreciate the support this podcast has received over the past few months, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.